What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes here every Friday. And if you want to support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by hitting subscribe on iTunes and then clicking write a review, rating the podcast with five stars, say a few nice words, and that will help shoot the podcast up into the iTunes charts. It only takes a couple minutes and it is super helpful with contributing to the sustainability and uh, also helping strangers find the podcast, making it more nationally visible and giving more exposure for the folks that come on to the show. And also, if you hit subscribe, then you will know when the, the new episodes are available. They will pop right into your feed on Friday, and uh, you won't have to worry about going to search it out or download it yourself. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances, as well as live show performances, and a short documentary I made this year on a band called Tribe Mars, and that's called Move Through You. That's on the title page of the DanCablePresents.com the official website for all things Dan Cable Presents. So check that out as well. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Dan Cable, at Dan Cable Presents on Instagram, and send me an email, dancablepresents at gmail.com. I'll read some emails. I'm not afraid to read some emails on this show. That's also the uh, best way to hit me up if you are looking to try and get on the podcast or you know, feel free to send me uh, some recommendations for, for bands that you would like to here on the podcast and it's also a good way to send me music if you would like to feature your band on one of the playlist episodes uh the playlist episodes are kind of new to the podcast but every once in a while i just uh select about five or six songs and um spin those and and do a little commentary in between songs anyhow we got a great episode episode 125 can't believe we're already uh 25 episodes past episode 100 it's kind of a trip if you haven't listened to episode 100 highly recommend checking that out as well as checking out the videos from that session we did at hallowed halls with the uh the one and only pariahs but uh this episode we got keisha dower on the show making her return kiki and the dowry is her band and we had a fun chat but before we get into that chat i just want to shout out a couple calendar dates maybe a few maybe a few calendar dates here in the local Portland area this Sunday, August 26th at the liquor store. Haley Johnson is playing there with her full band. So don't miss that Sunday, August 26th. And uh, check out Haley's episode of the podcast, episode 123. That was super great conversation with her. And also we have from this episode, which is definitely mentioned in the episode, but I want to make sure it gets mentioned up top is September 1st is the Kiki and the Dowry album release show at Mississippi Studios here in Portland. If you haven't been to Mississippi Studios, it's one of the best venues in town, and it's an unbelievable place to see some music. The bill is stacked out with uh, Maurice and the Stiff Sisters, who are such a fun band to see. Spencer, who uh, 
leads that band is is such a good dude so that'll be a lot of fun to see them it always is and then Ezra Bell is on the on the bill and Ezra Bell uh they crush you should definitely check out their most recent record I did a write-up in Vortex Music Magazine for uh their album release show at Mississippi Studios just a couple months back so that's a stacked out lineup there September 1st Mississippi Studios and finally Brother Not Brother they are re-releasing their first record, which was under their, their Hammerhead name, but they are re-releasing it as Brother Not Brother. They have a couple added tracks, and uh, it's going to be a really special night because they are going to perform as a full five-piece band. Usually, they are a duo, and uh, so this is going to be a very special night. Never done before with any other players, so it will be cool to hear them recreate the record as a five-piece, they've got killer players um, from all over the Portland music scene, and I think it's going to be quite a night there. Fox and Bones also on the bill. Recommending getting tickets for that early. It's September 5th. It's $8 if you just uh, do it online right now. I think it's going to sell out, so I would encourage you to do so. September 5th, Alberta Street Pub. Those are the dates. Okay, are you ready to get into this episode with the lovely Keisha Dower? So it's always uh, a fun hang with Keisha. She's always has tons of, of stories for me, and uh, I always enjoy talking with her, and it was uh, particularly fun this episode. I think I learned a little bit more about her process and whatnot. We don't always end up talking about music when we're hanging out, so it was cool to kind of dive into that stuff and... Um, she has come such a long way. She was on episode 10 of this podcast, which you can only find uh, at podomatic.com at this point. Maybe some other streaming services. Definitely not on iTunes, though. iTunes only backlogs the last 100 episodes, So, which is, yeah, that's kind of wild that we're even that far past that. So if you want to listen to the first 24 episodes, I guess, you have to go to podomatic.com, and uh, that link is is on my website at dancablepresents.com. But yeah, Keisha came on episode 10. We did a studio session, super fun. Um, and yeah, her voice is just unreal, as well as her songwriting. I just think her voice is, is so unique and, and just, I think, immediately kind of draws people in, especially when she starts singing it full voice and... Her songwriting is is very on point. She came through as just a duo. It was herself and Stuart. And uh, her playing ukulele, Stu on drums. And we talk about it in this conversation, but it was definitely a goal of hers to, you know, create a band around this thing. And, and she has done so. When you If you go out to that Mississippi studio show, you're going to see her playing as, uh, I think it's a six-piece maybe seven, um, some unreal musicians in the band. And uh, it's kind of, a, kind of a super group as we talk about as well. So shout out to, to all the, the members of, of the, the Kiki and the Dowry gang. Um, like I said, just some, some unreal musicians, some of my favorite people uh, in this community or in that band. And uh, I think I think she's done a very good job of, of cranking out some new tunes. That was always a, a concern of hers is 
how am I going to write new songs? And, and she has uh, figured it out. She continues to figure it out. She might say that she is figuring it out slowly, but I think that this first full length is a pretty strong effort as far as uh, putting together this amount of songs on a record. And, and it's called Beside the Beast, and it's going to be released on August 30th, just a couple days before that album release show. And Keisha wanted me to mention, because we did not talk about it during the episode, she did want to mention that it was recorded by uh, Chad Young, Youngman and Brian Cordua. Sorry if I'm butchering names. And it was recorded at the Pig Farm Pig Farm Consortium over there in Newburgh, 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 Oregon. So that's the deal. And uh, we're going to get into our chat. We're kicking it off with uh, this jam that, that kind of made me fall in love with Keisha's voice and songwriting. And uh, it's a song that she and Stu played on on their first appearance on the show. But I really dig this version. It, it's got some some cool backup vocals, which I think really adds some some depth to the song. Also want to mention that Andrew Harrison from Brother Not Brother, who also now plays in Keisha's band, was in the room hanging out for this podcast. And uh, he jumps on the mic briefly. Keisha wanted... Um, you know, just to offer some perspective on, on kind of maybe building this band out a little bit. And, uh, which was, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for me to take a few jabs at Andrew while he was in the room. And, uh, he did do a great job of, uh, taking some pictures during the session though. So, uh, it worked out. He and I were, uh, grabbing some, some brunch over there at, I just, this is a free shout out, free plug city state diner. I don't want to blow it up. I, it's probably already a spot. It's obviously a happening spot, but uh, I, I definitely recommend checking out City State Diner if you have not. I, I really, really enjoyed that. But we were hanging out, and I told him I was heading over to a meetup with Keisha for this podcast, and uh, he wanted to come hang too. So it was uh, it was cool to have him in the room. And that's the that's the damn deal. Don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews, people. Please do it. It's super helpful. It takes, uh, you know, a minute or two, and especially if you've been listening to this thing for a while, you're a regular listener. It's a, it's a great way to, to support. I mean, I'm stoked that you're listening, regardless. Even if you, you never leave the review, I'm so pumped and, and grateful that the audience for this show continues to build. But uh, take the, uh, the next step in supporting and, and leave that review because it's, it's really just going to... Uh, not only help the podcast grow, it's going to help uh, with gaining more exposure for everybody that comes on the cast. So, as I was saying before, we're kicking it off with a, a song called uh, Virgin Attire. And this is off of uh, the new Kiki and the Dowry record that is going to be available August 30th. It's called Beside the Beast. And uh, this is it Virgin Attire, episode 125. Kiki and the Dowry, hanging with Keisha Dower. Let's get into it.
find you have Are you ready for your return, your triumphant return to the program? It's been so long. It has. I, two I, years? Probably, yeah. A year and about a half. there. Probably two. I don't even think that I think if, if someone wanted to listen to your first appearance on the podcast, that they couldn't even find it on iTunes anymore because it only stocks like the last hundred episodes. So they'd have oh. to go. Because you're the on the actual what, website. What number so. are you on now? You're gonna this episode's gonna be one twenty five. And we're ten. <clears throat> yeah, so it's definitely yeah. like not even available in the iTunes feed. So they gotta dig deep and, and go to go to the actual Potomatic website, but it's still there. They can check it out. But uh I think you've certainly come a long way since since that first first time in the studio coming coming through. A lot of things have happened. Yes, indeed. Yeah, the band has has evolved. And even in that uh, podcast, I think you mentioned being very excited to see what happens and me getting a full band potentially and how that was going to work out. And all that stuff's worked out. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. cool because I remember you talking about like when you wanted to record or what you wanted this to be. It was definitely your vision too to like have it more players fill it out and now now you kind of have this uh this portland indie like portland local super group to 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 some degree you have Uh four members of the jack maybe project (laughs) who are an incredible band and you have the duo of of brother not brother who's also a part of the band so it's just i i like the community that has been kind of created through, through that group of people yeah. It's it very cool to see that happen. Um, you've also written some songs since, since since we last talked. Oh, how many have there been? Actually, not not that many. A I good amount, think. though, for, for you, because that when, <laughs> when we were first chatting, you had like six or seven songs. <laughs> yeah, I write pretty slowly. Um, it's been interesting these past couple that I pumped out, uh, and I do feel very good about and proud of how quickly they manifested. Uh, so I feel like I am progressing in that realm, which is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
and you're fucking playing Mississippi Studios. Fucking playing Mississippi Studios. Yeah. <laughs> and for people listening that aren't like <laughs> Portland locals or mm. are familiar with this city, Mississippi Studios, along with the Doug Fur, are like the venues in town that local musicians strive to play. Can at. I tell you a? I don't know if I was friends with you on Facebook at this point when I first moved here, but I there's a post in the history of Keisha Dower on Facebook. That is uh, my top three goals in this lifetime. One of them was to play Mississippi Studios. That's amazing. Number two was uh, to meet the kindest, most badass, loving husband. And then three was to pop out curly-haired girls. Uh, But my friend Saga, uh, she actually commented when she saw that we were playing Mississippi. And she was like, holy shit, that's one of your main goals. I was like, I know. (laughs) Yeah. You've, you've knocked one of those off the list. I know. When I found out it was happening, I actually called my dad crying. It was pretty pathetic, uh, but very sweet. Yeah. Can you speak or like sum up why this is so important to you? Because like I know, like I understand the level of like this achievement to get to play like. Yeah, a Saturday night mm-hmm. at Mississippi Studios for your your album release, releasing your first full length into the world. Um, but why is it so so special for you to have it happen there? I do think mainly it's it's kind of what you're feeling and thinking as well. The obvious answer. Um, <clears throat> otherwise, I guess yeah. I never saw myself ever having my own band or writing my own tunes or pursuing music as a performer. I mean, I've always known that I wanted to have involvement in music and it, it was always a big thing in my life growing up. Um, but I never ever had the confidence or seriousness to like try at it. So to just play Mississippi studios is like, That's it. That's all I need. I don't have to go anywhere else. I don't have to do anything else. (laughs) That's it. That's all I, that's all I need. Yep. Has it been affirming to you the type of musicians that have been willing to be a part of your band and and then wanting to take part in, in your journey? It's like the most encouraging thing, but also maybe the most pressure inducing thing. Um, because more than more than pleasing the ears of other people or even writing to like fulfill my own needs, I want to make sure that everybody I'm playing with and who's putting time in is taken care of and having fun and enjoying it. Um, and like you said, it's kind of a super group of Portland folks. Like I'm so beyond lucky. It's crazy. And people have said that that speaks something to my own talent and whatnot, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's wild how busy these folks are and how much time they're willing to put in and sacrifice and for like little to no money, like we never get paid for anything. And I'm fine with that, but I want to make sure my band's taken care of. So that's kind of like another, crossroads we're at at the moment because everybody wants to play shows with us and that's cool like I never had that before now everybody wants to play all these shows but not many of them are paying 
and the caliber of musicians that I play with and the stuff that they do, like they definitely deserve to be paid for their time. So I'm kind of struggling with like the business side of things and how to book shows that pay and how to request what money you're worth. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, th I think I think that's difficult for everybody. It's just like there's only going to be the select few shows in the city that are going to pay you something where you can really pay something out to your band. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know? But I think I think that like everybody in your band and from someone that's kind of like watched you progress over the last couple of years, I think and I was I was talking to to Andrew who's he's in the room. We're not going to we're not going to give him the mic though. It's it's I know what happened last time he was on he was on this podcast and he probably regrets some things that he said, but <laughs> anyway, I was talking to him before we came over here and I think I think the thing that we all recognize is just like how special your songwriting is. And the crazy thing though that Andrew brought up is that you write like every song you write is like something that is probably going to get shared with the world. Like you don't you don't have a lot of songs, but they all seem to hit. Like they all seem to make sense to share with the world and be a song that's like in your catalog. So it's kind of crazy <clears throat> Thanks. from that end. Um, when you're writing, like, are you usually just coming up with a melody and then like singing along with it? Or are you someone that's kind of journaling like, this poetry or these these lyrics somewhere outside of even ever hearing any music um so I, even after releasing now that we finished this album and we're releasing it i still don't feel like i have <clears throat> a solid formula that i could describe for myself i feel like i'm still figuring that out um but what i have noticed like from the very beginning is that since i I'm not like a classically trained uh, string player. I'm a woodwind player, and I grew up like major band nerd, um, not a songwriter at all. Um, I think that lends maybe a really cool aspect to it, but also it limits me because there's only so many chords that I can play on my instrument. <clears throat> and I can write as many words down as I want to to like try and create a song, but I don't, I've found success in having like a couple chords that I feel like an emotional attachment with in some way. And then if I like that progression, <clears throat> I'll take maybe some little line that I've written in the past or some idea and then try and mold it into those chords. Um, but yeah, I definitely have to start with some, cause I mean, if I can't, if I can't play my instrument, like play the song on my instrument, then I can't progress at all. So I have to start with the chords and then I add in some lyrics that I might have. Um, but yeah, it's curious now because I have so many players in this group that are so talented and who know all that shit and who write the other way, who like can just have all these lyrics written down and then they can put any chords to it and it'll sound good because they know how to play their instrument. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. For someone that didn't play like an instrument for so long and was just always somebody applying lyrics to other people's 
uh, music in my own personal life, I do find it like way easier to like, I think as far as developing the feel of the song, it's always about kind of having those melodies and those in that music there to, to then kind of go through instead of have like bringing like words you already have and trying to insert those into something. Cause yeah, I feel like you always have to try to make compromises doing that sometimes. Like I'll still, I don't know. I'll still maybe use a line that came up in my head and it's just like, Oh, I can finally fucking use this line uh-huh. right here. Like, are you somebody that always has kind of words and, and things like that bouncing around in your head? For sure. I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've got like maybe 12 random journals full of like absolute bullshit that they're not like strict, strictly written songs, like with a bunch of verses, but there's, there's definitely themes or words that I want to use and plan to use. And it might take like 10 years, but I'm sure that they'll, they'll find their spot. But what I love about this album too, is I decided to include <clears throat> a hidden track. It's, it's a, an audio memo from my phone. It's not very hidden anymore. Now that you're telling her. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. it's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I love it so much. Um, I think it's the very essence of Keisha Dower. And I think if I were, Yeah. Um, I just basically sat, well, I had to, I had to put out a bunch of new songs because we had some show like six months ago coming up and we were already like in the process of trying to record an album. I needed to fill out a full album. I didn't have quite enough tracks yet for that. Um, and I had so much anxiety about finishing, finishing these songs. And one day I just sat down and like forced myself to just press the record button on my phone, play while I figured out you can hear in the hidden track too. Like I'll say the chords, like the ones that sound good to me. And then I'll just, yeah, 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 it. absolutely. It's, and cool. it's so beautiful. And then I love here being able to hear in my own, like as an observer, usually I can't even listen as an observer, but for whatever reason, like these audio memos are so raw and like true and right to me. Um, but you can hear my vocals, like hit all the parts that I'm going to want to hit later on with when I apply it to the full band and yeah the track is is like seriously i was having like the biggest breakdown that day trying to pump out these fucking songs <laughs> i think rehearsal was like the next night and sleepwalking got written right before that and then uh the hidden track that's on the album is it ended up being you've got you and i've got i which is solid gold part three <clears throat> which is also very huge because this album is kind of based off of solid gold the first original that's the first track that I ever wrote and the person that that's about is like a huge theme in this entire album so it's kind of like it's just it's crazy that it it took me like four years from solid gold part one to get solid gold part three and now I have such a different like I have this whole band now and so many things have happened there's so many things about that relationship that it's nuts it's wild but it happened and I fucking did it and it's done and I love it and you can hear like the real intimate, beautiful hidden track if you get the album. Yeah. There's just like something undeniable about that. Those raw energies, all those those iPhone memos that we have floating mm-hmm. in our phones and those recordings of like those initial ideas when you lay something down. It just seems like it's always very hard to recapture like mm-hmm. that magic when you're when you're making a record. So it is yeah. it is cool to like, I think to share something like that because it really does show like 
you finding your way through it, but it also just does have like that very rawness that's that's just super authentic. Yeah, specifically about that track, it, it was just the first time I ever tried going for it, and I loved it. That track, like, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were you always writing down words in in like journals of some sort when you were a kid as well? I was not much of a journaler <coughs> or a writer as a kid. I used to like to illustrate as a kid. That was like my dream job when I was in first grade. Um, but I didn't write. I, I think I had like a live journal or a blog on the internet that I would put <laughs> things on. But no, I never like tried to write songs. But way into music though, like from, from being a little kid? Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um it's really funny too, like included in my band now is my old college roommate, uh, Brooke Friedrichs. So good. She's so fucking good. And it's so beautiful because her and I met in wind band. Uh, we both played clarinet. She was first chair and I was second chair. Um, so she's better than me. And yeah, we were like the coolest roommates ever. We had so many wild times. She was there for so many moments that I shouldn't talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but um, it's been so fun to see her move out here post me moving out here and then us having kind of disconnected for a while. And then upon her moving here, reconnecting, and her being like, hey, I really... She came to a... Sh I think we played... It was the first time we played a show with Jack Maybe Project. It was at Mississippi Pizza Pub. And I think it was just Stuart and I still in the van. And Brooke was like, I really want to get into music now that I'm out here. Da, 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 da. like I've got a bunch of anxiety though about playing with other people and like improvising and now she's just fucking wailing it like killing it in Jack Maybe Project killing it in Kiki and the Dowry she's probably going to do tons of other rad shit um, yeah it's so beautiful to, to watch those things unfold <clears throat> yeah it's just crazy because now you're, yeah. you're halfway across the country from where you guys come from in Wisconsin uh -huh. and you're as as adults now and like yeah, playing music Vine Street and, anymore. Yeah. That's play Mississippi <laughs> Studios. Speaking of, just so everybody knows where we're doing this podcast, we're at Brooke's house. Um I've been cat sitting for the past three weeks. She's been all over the world gallivanting. Um, um yeah, probably don't ask Keisha Dower to house it for you unless you want her to smoke <laughs> cigarettes in your house. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Dan and Andrew that <clears throat> I've got Brooks bedding in the the laundromat right now. It's been cleaned, uh, but I've done some naughty things, but I did <laughs> also fess up. I did so much awful shit. I mean, oh you have to live God. it. You got to live your life still. I mean, <laughs> she, she, there's no way that Brooke asked no. you to live in her house for three weeks and not know that some Keisha Dower shenanigans were going to take place. Well, yeah. Here. And we lived together and, and the time that we lived together was just fucking like off the, off the charts, like 20 years old, 21 years old. Um, so wild, so wild. So she's seen, she's definitely seen it all. Um, she, yeah, I fessed up to most of my, my wrongdoings and she seemed pretty chill about it. I think she's just happy that I kept her cat's company. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I see a house that's in good order, you know, yeah. walking in here, especially, good. I mean, she's coming home tonight, so yeah. like, you don't have much time. So <laughs> 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 that's amazing. Um, 
you want to you want to dip into one of these tracks from I from do. the record beside mm-hmm. the beast mm-hmm. yeah um, that's the album title we're gonna we're gonna play a song called crickets and i picked this song not only because it's one of my favorite tunes but i also think that this is one of the tracks that uh, came out the best on the record so it's my favorite on the album right on well, this is crickets everybody it's kiki and the dowry on the program that jam so much tower that uh thank you that lay your trouble down line mm. is that one that one that's the one that gets me and just that whole like last minute of that song when you're just belting belting it out i think i think that's the uh the big the big takeaway i have from this this beside the beast record is that your vocal takes are quite good like across the board and i think they like very much capture like a, a cool energy and I think it's an improvement upon the last set of vocal takes that ended up on the EP. I don't know how you feel about that part of the Thanks. record. Um, I do think 
I feel better in some ways about the vocals and then maybe a little worse in others. Uh, something that I've kind of come to realize is that I'm never going to be, nobody's ever happy with their own performance. Um, so I'll always have stuff to nitpick at, but I do, I do hear parts that I'm super stoked on, but the, the parts that I'm, I'm not happy with, I think it's because <clears throat> I wasn't in maybe like the right headspace to perform it in a way that would come across right. Uh, and that's something else I'm kind of starting to understand is that like mental health and like just wellness uh, has a lot to deal with performance. And like if things are not okay in your life, then you're not going to perform well. And sometimes there's nothing you can do. Like there's not a switch you can turn on if you have a show on a certain night and you're not doing well in other parts of your life. You can't just flip it and be okay and perform all. At least true artists, I think, because all that stuff's very tied together. Yeah, do you think it's also because your songs are so emotionally driven that it, it can be difficult sometimes? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh I do think that with this particular record and all of these songs, since they are so old and from such a long time ago and certain relationships had so many things to do with them that it's like time to move on. And it's almost unhealthy like to have to devote so much time in the studio to performing these songs and making sure they're right. And I think it'll be cool to have some new tracks to try out and see how I feel about it then. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would say that it's, it's that they're too emotional, that that's what makes it hard. I love being emotional. Like I, <laughs> I am, an emo I am super emotional. <laughs> I would rather, you know, be emotional than anything else. But I, it's, I don't know. Um, it's just something that with our EP release last summer that didn't go the greatest, the live performance, because there was so many things happening in my life, not even like attached to the record. Um, certain shit goes down and you just can't be okay to perform. And it sucks if it's on a big night. And it sucks if you have to record for your album that day and like a lot of shit happened. I don't know how certain people perform so well under that pressure like you just can't i don't know you can't bring it 100 percent all the time you just can't <laughs> um, i feel like we got nowhere <laughs> no i got nowhere <laughs> I, th I think that's very very honest of you to say that like some like sometimes you have shit going on in your life that like makes it i mean do you think do you think i with because you play and write and perform and andrew maybe you can pipe in too but like are you able to flip a switch and just be fine to perform all the time? Like I don't. Daryl, you wanna you wanna take this one? Certainly not over there taking any photos. So. Wow. <laughs> the mic did did get passed after all. Look at that. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I've been performing for so long, um, in some capacity that I feel like. For certain things, I can just kind of turn it on. 
But I will agree that like when I'm on the mic and I'm like and I have to perform vocally, it's it's kind of a new tier um, and a new level of difficulty in terms of just performing in general. And I think that there are are nights where it's like maybe I'm not going to fully drop the ball, but like because I've had such a crazy hectic week and I'm not able to get into the right headspace before the performance, then vocally. I'll struggle through that one. On guitar, like I've just been I've been doing that for so long that I feel like I can lock into it, but yeah, when you're when you're doing everything all at once, it's it's hard. And there is like a, a proper headspace and when you find it and you have that night, you're like, "Oh man, like this is what it could be every time." Um, and so then thus begins the chase. I'm trying to find that every time you perform, and it's yeah. like a process of like, "What do I got to like when we played that show with Moto Pony, they're doing like yoga before the show. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's probably part of their process. Like Daniel's been doing that for a long time. It's probably part of his process for just like getting into the right space to, to crush the performance. But you do like when you are performing maybe with, with Keisha as a part of Kiki and the dowry, if you were just having some fucked up day with that, you can kind of still hide in the back and play your guitar. Like you don't right. really have exactly. to be as, as present yeah. to, to be guiding and what's maybe, going on. Yeah, and maybe I won't have, like, the best show, but I, fe- I think I'll still hit, like, 90-plus percent and have, like, a very solid performance that I that I can stand by. Yeah. I, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's always going to be difficult when when you have other shit going on. You know, like, every everything is more difficult. Like, when, you're, when your life is hectic and you have to go to work or... I don't know, not even playing music, but doing this podcast sometimes. Like, I'm going into a conversation. It's like, man, I don't even know if I want to be here right now. Mm-hmm. But I have found that I love, like, I love the escape of this 30 minutes to an hour, or what, however long we sit here and talk. Like, this is such an escape for me from, from like that, whatever else is going on right now. Like, it's it's a time where I can hopefully zone in to our conversation and not have to worry about that for a little while. Maybe it's easier for me because I get, I get the headphones and I can kind of like dive into these headphones and there's another world going on within what's going on in here. But yeah, I don't know. No, I would say that it's a similar pressure for sure. Like you have to perform in a certain way. Like you have to be prepared and ready and asking questions and able to lead a conversation because not a lot of people know how to do that. And it's your podcast, so you always have to be on point. For sure. And and I, I think also, like, there has been some that have suffered because of, like, not right headspace, too. Like, especially on days in the past where maybe we've stacked three studio sessions on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, there might be one of those. One out of those three, maybe not as strong as the other, just because it was, like, yeah, this was necessary to get this amount of production in one day, but like maybe by that third one, I'm already like pretty burnt out, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. And there's been times when I've gone into shows feeling like super solid as a human um, <clears throat> and well rehearsed. And then there's just certain nights that don't roll the way you want them to. And then the opposite too, like nights that. I didn't feel set up well, um, like the turn, turn, turn show we did. Um, we had like a real quick rehearsal, um, but it was the best show we've ever played live. 
And like, how does that work out? And they're just, I really feel like there is no formula that people, but I'm searching for it. I really want to find it <laughs> uh, to make sure that things, because there are so many people putting in their time and people showing up to support. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. There, I feel like there is a sort, there has to be some sort of like mathematics about it in a way, but maybe there's not. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Because I feel like people do do it. Well, they, I and think the people, people that do do it, are they like, yeah, what about them? Like, what? Well, there's some, I think there's people that have to do it or they don't have a choice. Like, uh-huh. when, you're, when you're touring, you know, like doing a nationwide tour and you're playing music every night, like, you have to, like, give those people a good show. Like, there is no really option, you know? So I think, I think there's, everybody's probably going to have their own formula of like, you know, Andrew was talking about the guys from Moto Pony jumping in and, and doing a little group yoga or whatever the fuck it is like that, that twists your mindset into a place where everything else is that day is, is not in your head and you're just going out to like give those people a good show and, and hopefully like create some sort of energy within your band and whatnot. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where, where you get that from, or if it, I think it's a lot of repetition, too, maybe of just doing it all the time, and just being extremely confident with what you're doing. Uh, one thing I've noticed, though, like even in the last couple of years, the the solo sets that I've seen you play have improved like so much. Hmm. And you did a show at Random Order, mm-hmm. and that was actually. I've seen you play twice at Random Order. Once with Stu, once by yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe Trent play it, or some. Well, it was maybe me, me Stu, and Will. Okay, yeah. And so that was that was cool, and that was non mic'd, like yeah. totally acoustic in a fucking busy ass pie shop. And I think that that's what <laughs> what was special about it though is like yeah. because of the type of music you play. You were there for that too. Yeah, we were, one, we yeah. were both hanging. That was yeah. That was yeah. prior to either like i don't even i don't think tyler was playing with you yet either at that point no i don't think so um i think it was a four piece me me trin will and Stu. so that was that was cool but it was the next time when you put together that songwriters night where y'all were just rotating every couple songs a different Mm -hmm. singer and it was just you by yourself that was one of my favorite nights of watching you play music huh yeah i just felt I don't know. There's I feel still... fonder about the the first time, the acoustic one. The songwriters night was very fun. <clears throat> I think my funnest moment was Benny <laughs> snot like about to hit a snot drip that was about to touch the <laughs> he mic. He was pretty sick that night. I yeah. Remember, yeah. <laughs> and I reached over while he was playing in the middle of his song, and I swiped the snot under his nose. But yeah, I just I just think you 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 are like becoming a better player and and watching you <clears throat> kind of play alone like really shows off it's not only your voice but it also shows like how strong your songs are even if they are those same three chords or it's even a different just animal bouncing. yeah and i feel it too when i play solo and perform solo and i know that it's important to keep doing that um aside from the band um yeah, I think that there are certain things I do both vocally and instrumentally that make 
the song have just a different value. Um, it's great to have the full band, but there's something just kind of like talking about those raw, pure uh, phone audio memo tracks. Uh, it's like the same vibe. If I'm by myself and I'm forced to do everything alone, then I have to pick up certain pieces or moments or like shift things and force a feeling or bend back on a feeling or yeah well i think i think you just you have more freedom when you're playing by yourself you know like you can you can go for like a completely different huh. vocal take or like play the song completely different if you want to because there's no one else playing along with you i want to talk about how andrew came into the band you want to talk about how andrew yeah <laughs> Can we? Yeah, yeah Can absolutely. We do that? Are you are you going to tell us how Andrew well, came into uh, the band? Well, I'll I'll tell the listeners about you the first. You want me to tell them how Andrew became in the band? I remember that brunch. Well, <laughs> well, no. no the, I, I was going to bring up the first time that I met Andrew, and we played a show together that night at the Laurel Thirst. It was March third of twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was Zach Steiner's birthday show. I remember I was and, there and yeah you and Tyler rolled up and it was just me and Stu in the band at that time and you were there checking out I was then just there su supporting right? them because yeah. it was after, after they had just done a podcast done right? the podcast with me yeah 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 so that's the first night that I met you and Tyler and then and then we saw you sing, and we were like, what the fuck is happening right now? Well, I remember um, it was, I can't remember if it was you or Tyler, but one of you telling me, like, a person playing ukulele and a percussionist, what the fuck <laughs> is going on <laughs> <Yeah>. here? <laughs> and uh, now here we are all in a band together. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, yeah, I was searching for a guitarist for a long time to pick up some parts so I didn't have to play quite so much and then could focus on vocals. And yeah, Danny, you and I were at brunch and you brought up Andrew and Tyler was already in the band. Um, and yeah. we had just auditioned somebody for guitar, but it didn't work out. And then we got blessed with our sweet little baby, Andrew. <laughs> sweet, sweet baby Daryl. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just say from, from my perspective, I remember that little third show very clearly, uh, cause I was super early in the Hammerhead days. That was like one of our first five shows probably. And I did have that thought of like seeing you get up on stage with a ukulele and Stu is setting up his kit and then you guys start playing and it's just you. And I was like, how is this going to work? How, like, how is this going to be? an enjoyable experience because this seems not well thought out at all. But it turns out I was totally wrong because Stu is super reserved and tasteful on the drums. And when he was playing just you with the ukulele, like he was real good about like never overpowering the sound, which is rare in, in like a two piece setup uh, where there's a full drummer. Um, but I was just blown away with the songs and with your voice. And I mean, we, I feel like we became buds after that show and we started playing a bunch of shows with you like Hammerhead and Kiki and the Dowry shows. So we did a handful with you. Um, and then fast forward to, you know, the end of 2017 and Dan kind of casually mentioned like, 
yeah, I was just hanging out with Keisha yesterday, and she's looking for guitar player. And I was like, well, did my name come up? Like, could I? would this be possible for me to do? And Dan was like, well, I don't know. Maybe you should just hit her up about it. But I was immediately interested because I'm just very drawn to your music, and I think that you have such a such a wonderful talent for songwriting. And so it was, it was something that was like, you know, I would love to be a part of this and love to contribute, even if it is me just like basically playing your ukulele parts on the guitar, which is, that's not how it's that turned works. out to be. <laughs> but at, at the time, like, that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. And I would, and even then, even then I was like, I'll do that. I will do that because I believe in this music enough that like I'm down to just do hold down simple stuff and make it really, really solid and tight. Like, I will do that to make this band as good as it can be. And then, yeah, I got, like, a slightly elevated role beyond that. And, yeah, it's great. It's been it's been wonderful. There's such great musicians in the band, so happy to be a part of it. Oh, man. What <laughs> I remember, too, about our first uh, meetup, just you and I, to practice parts and work on parts at your place. <clears throat> I kind of felt like I was in an inter interview trying to impress you <laughs> to get you to join my band. <laughs> and you had all these serious questions uh, and you were like, well, how do you usually like do with people who have feedback and how do you like, which are all great questions, but I was like, dude, it's chill. Like we just kind of roll with it. It's fine. And you're like, but what actually happens? Like, tell me more. And I was like, I don't know. Let's just try it. <laughs> There's no structure here. You're no structure here. Um, but no, uh, it's it's been cool to see the structure form. Uh, and yeah, it's so beautiful. Like, there's so many things that you do that make make the music sound so different. I'm so thankful to have you in the band. Is um, what I'm trying to say. Do you think? Do you think having now having a guitar player it has maybe like relieved some of your pressures of having to like anchor down the rhythm of things with, with the uke and, and kind of just without a doubt there's songs that were a struggle before like it's called breakfast on the album uh we used to call it solid gold part two during practice um but yeah, breakfast is like this real like da 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 da, and I just can't. I don't have the strumming technique, and I was doing it this real wonky way that everybody would make fun of me for. But I would do it the best that I could to get by, and it would work until I had to start singing. And there's a lot of words that come in, so it's so that's one example in particular. But there's so many so many times that Andrew bops in and does not only like what's necessary to carry the rhythm, but does something really beautiful um, to add to the, the song and make it something really majestic. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that, that Cricket's Jam that we played earlier mm -hmm. was your, your favorite song on the record. Uh -huh. Is it your favorite song on the record? Is it your like favorite performance on, on the record? It's my favorite song to do live in general, and then also it's my favorite song on the record just because of how it turned out like sound-wise. Um, <clears throat> There's an Instagram clip I have. I think it's only on my personal page, not the Kiki and the Dowry page. But of Andrew in the studio doing this really beautiful guitar part that's so important. And every... So I play the same chords the entire time throughout the song, but every verse there's like a new layer that's added. 
And what Andrew adds is so special to the song. Like it takes it to like that next tier. Um, yeah. Yeah. What you got? Well, I'll just, I remember that moment, like the first time we played together and I, I felt like I was very much auditioning for you, but I remember we played that song and like we finished playing it together. I just like off the cuff, you know, it's a simple song. So I just kind of off the cuff came up with something and you were like, wow, that's like the first time anyone has added something to the yeah. song that I was like, okay with. And I was like, oh my gosh, like Seriously. it's happening now. It's happening. Yeah. Because that song, I mean, I think part of what scares certain people from playing with me is that the songs are so simple and it's not like a quick to impress folks with like a lot of changes and whatnot. But, uh, and even like certain bandmates have wanted to sit out on that track for so many years. Like, yeah, like I, I told you like without beyond recording, um, before we recorded this second half, um, I was like, that's the first song I wrote in Portland. And I've tried it with so many people and nobody really wants to add or nobody feels enough yet to like feel like they have something really important to add. But when I sat down with Andrew for his first play with me, um, he like took it to this other realm that I've always wanted it to go to. And it's so musical and so moving and so amazing. That song is really important for me in general just to because it's yeah, it's heavy. But it's yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a lullaby for everyone, but mostly for myself. Um, yeah. Um, I also think that 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 speaks to the players in your band that mm -hmm. no one, no one, no one wanted to, wanted to add anything to that song, probably because they didn't feel like they could add anything that was going to serve the song. And I think that's the great part of like the group of musicians that you have in your band is that like everybody understands that their role is to serve the song and it's not to like get all willy nilly and like show off their soloing skills or anything like that necessarily, you know? Mm -hmm. so, Agreed. Uh, yeah. So where, where does this, uh, where does this beside the beast, this <laughs> title of the record, where, where does, uh, where does that come from? Um, well, it comes, I guess from a lyric in the song tame. <clears throat> Andrew, will you grab me another beer? <laughs> Beers. Uh, I was going to go with Solid Gold for a really long time, and then I was going to go with what's on the back of the shirt that Andrew's wearing right now. Nobody tells me what to do, not even me. So good. You should, you should check out those shirts. They're available. It's, yeah, they are available. Um, limited sizes at this point. That's, that's another audio memo that I have of a, a song that I haven't finished. Uh, that was the title for that track, but it's not—it's not a track that's on the album. But also, I didn't—I didn't really want to go with a, an album title that was a a song on the album. Uh, for whatever reason, I like the word "beast" a lot, and there's this line in Tame that says, uh, "By the beast that calls my name," and I feel like there's a real. Uh, tendency for myself to be like pretty wild and it just felt right i've never yeah. heard any anything that that would that would make me think that i you've know been wild yeah. so it's, it's yeah. nice to hear you say that i don't know <laughs> but beside the beast 
just sounds nice. And it, you're curious as to like what the beast is, or if the beast is me or, or something else, and who's beside who. Yeah. And that's a whole thing for everybody. I mean, everyone has a beast inside of them, um, or beasts that they deal with. And yeah, it just felt it felt like a good good album title. Do you do you feel like lyrically that you've always tried to leave some mystery to the listener of like or like just leave it more open for them to interpret what things are within your songs rather than being very like straightforward? I think there's yeah a, a big part of me that tries to go for that for sure when I'm writing. Um <clears throat> I don't know. I'm not the listener, so I mean, every song has like a very specific specific story um, for sure. But I think that they are written in a way that a lot of people can take take away from it and apply it. Um, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite line on the record? Uh, <laughs> Stuart, uh, my percussionist, Stuart. Well, we have this uh, costume theme for the album release party at Mississippi Studios on September 1st. September 1st. September 1st. Ezra Bell. Ezra Maurice Bell. And the Maurice sisters. and the Stiff Sisters. Uh, doors at 8. It's going to be Show active. Nine is $10. Um, <clears throat> so I had this plan that we would all dress in certain colors, each band. And the Stiff Sisters are going to be all blue. Ezra Bell is going to be black. And we're going to be gold slash yellow. I have this vintage dress that I found for $10. Um, that's perfect for the night. And then Stuart, my percussionist, went out and just bought a yellow shirt on Amazon, like a plain yellow shirt. <laughs> He's like, I want to write some lyrics on it. What should I write? And I was like, I don't know. Like, here's a handful of options. And I think, what did we, what did we pick? We picked a uh, drink to ease the sin. My, well, I've got a couple favorite lines to answer your question. Uh, the way you use my heart will not define me. Is a really, really big one. Yeah, yeah. Very big. Uh, is that in Face? That's from Face. Yep. Um, I remember. That one, I think, it. sounds so good on this album, too. And it's funny to listen to it uh, compared to the EP version. You know what's wild about that? What? Is I remember when you showed the three of us, myself, Andrew, and Tyler, that the, song. I remember when, we were when you were dog-sitting, right? I was right? dog-sitting for, for uh, yeah. Mountaineer Mike over at, at the old <laughs> Mountaineer Studios. Rest <laughs> in peace. And you came over and you you showed us all this song, and I, I think I think we we're all very blown away by it. And it was just I don't know. It was that song that hit that same level of like virgin attire. And I think that song's pretty special. It sounds way different than <clears throat> all the other tracks on the album. Um. But yeah, writing-wise, that, that one came in a big moment. I think that was the second song I wrote in Portland. That one also has a very fun audio memo track. <laughs> I bet. Um, <laughs> other favorite lines. Hmm. Where is your fire? That's a big, that's a big one. Um, Those ooh, are all solid. There's one in the, the new track, uh, Sleepwalkin', which was super fun for us to do too because I got to do a vocal solo. 
and it got pretty raunchy. Like Andrew and I were <laughs> in my apartment in the hottest weather and it was like a hundred degrees and I have the tiniest little studio apartment and we were just retracking a bunch of vocals and we got to the point where we were like a lot of beers in, but this happened to work the first take. It was wild. And originally there was going to be a clarinet solo, but Brooke was busy and couldn't be there at that time. So I was like, well, we're just going to, well, the drums and bass are like already laid down. So the timing is there. Like somebody's got to fill this solo. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do a vocal solo. And then the first time I tried it, it sounds pretty raunchy and pretty drunk, but also pretty fucking perfect. And every time we've practiced it, we haven't performed that song with that vocal solo yet but i'm excited for mississippi studios to do it it sounds so good <laughs> um but the line from that song that i really love is bedridden blind grinning with dry swollen eyes very nice very nice sleepwalking sleepwalking it's on the record it's on the record the record's coming out on the 31st so it's coming thing? out on the 30th the 30th mm-hmm. and then the show's on the first mm-hmm. of september um do you have a major takeaway from the experience uh this time around of, of making this full length record? Uh <clears throat> yeah. I definitely do. Um biggest takeaway I think would be just kind of being in awe of how many people want to help and do things like beyond what I'm paying them for just to make this project happen and make it get off the ground and be released um super lucky it's crazy and second to that would be how hard it actually is to release an album (laughs) uh if i thought i was tired from the ep experience well it's funny because this album was supposed to be released my main goal was like, let's just get every single song I've ever written down in the books. It's going to be super easy. One day in the studio, full live band. Nobody cares. It's fine. Let's just do it in and out. Super easy, like little to no money because I can't afford anything. And then it turned into this fucking huge ass project. <laughs> um, yeah, but like I said, like so many people just want to make it happen. And we totally made it happen. Um and I think that I am very proud of it. I'm so proud of whatever everybody else has put into it. Um, I'm very excited to celebrate at Mississippi Studios on the first. Absolutely. And have that moment. Yeah. I am uh I'm quite pumped for you. Thank it you. It was very cool to like see that happen and it's been it's been cool to just watch your progression and, and also just to see how many more people have kind of taken to what you're doing. And I think when people see you play music, everybody kind of recognizes the same thing. And, and I think everybody is very like, just so blown away by your voice and your, your songwriting. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's been rad. It's been quite rad. And, and thanks, Dan. I'm a believer. I am a believer amongst all these people that uh, choose to that play music with you. And I love that we were number ten on the podcast, and now you've you've come so fucking far. Like you're doing so many things to support local music. It's really amazing. Thank and you. It's been fun. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with myself. Absolutely. Today. Always. And I think. Did you pe- take photos yet? 
Of course he didn't. No, he's <laughs> he's just fucking sitting Look there, at those two cats. drinking, drinking <laughs> oh his beers. God. He doesn't care. Um, <laughs> no, but it's it's been cool to uh, just like even hearing the the songs that I hadn't heard on this record. It's it's awesome to see that you have been able to write some more songs because I know that that was like a worry for you. And I feel like that's a, like a conversation we've had before is mm-hmm. like, I don't know how we're going to write more songs. But yeah, I think every brunch that we've ever had is like me detailing the people that I've slept with accompanied with. I don't have I any don't more songs. I don't have any more songs. <laughs> I've lied to my band that I have one finished. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> but you like you pulled it together and now you have like a 10 song. 11. 11 song plus record. The hidden track. Plus the hidden track. You know? So you have this this full length record to show for it. And I think that's, that's very cool. And I think your songwriting just continues to get better and better. Um, we're going to play it out with a song called garden party. And that's yeah. one of my favorites. Is we should there, have a little talk about that. Yeah. I love if you, mm-hmm. if you want to uh, shed some light on that song before we play it out with the song. I think it's so funny that you chose that as your, your ender. It's one of my favorites. There's a, there's a lot of music. Um, or a lot of songs on here, Solid Gold in particular, I did want to mention, um, I like that song a lot. And for some reason, when I listen to it, to me, that 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 very much has some of those Nirvana unplugged uh, elements to it. Like, I think it has some Kurt Cobain vibes to it. And I don't That's know if you give I a shit wrote. about him or like if that, um, but when I listen to that song for some reason... I don't I don't know what it is about your your vocal delivery and your melody. It just seems to have like some of those same sensibilities of just like Kurt Cobain kind of playing by himself with a guitar and it's very mm-hmm. cool. That was the first song you ever wrote? Mm-hmm. That's Liter- wild. Seriously, yeah. That that's a big one. It's funny to hear you say that too. I guess <clears throat> I don't know. Stu was like Stu's pretty into that song as far as my vocal delivery go goes um and he was saying that the album delivery was maybe not like quite as on par as what i do live and i think that the take that we decided on is still true to like the way that i sing it but that's one of those those tracks that i feel like could maybe have been like turned out better on my own performance but that song yeah that song's the oldest song that i have that's number one yeah I like that. And the song that uh, Virgin Attire is about an old music partner that I used to play with back home. His favorite song to watch me perform was Solid Gold. And he would record me upstairs in in this little studio space above above the coffee shop that I worked at with the lights off. That's crazy. Singing that. Like, yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, What about this this garden party song that we're going to play it out with? Garden Party is a song that we don't do live very often because kind of what we talked about before, a lot of other members have just been maybe feeling like they don't have the right thing to add. Well, it's just, yeah, it's it's a, there's not a lot going on instrumentally Uh with that song. It's a lot of finger plucking, as Andrew said in the recording session. It's a, it's a a forearm burner. Um, And... It's just been me and Stu who've performed it live, but now that there's the bass track and Trin just stepped in and was like and did all the changes like with with the timing stuff, like 
first take. And then Andrew covered my uke part for me because I didn't feel like super confident about it. But anyway, what the song is about is um, three of my old like best gal pals back home in Wisconsin. They each got assigned a flower. One's the, the little bluebell. That's Stacy, uh, who's very sweet and innocent and believes in romance and true love. Uh, two is the wood violet. That's the Wisconsin state flower. That's my friend Steph. She helped move me out here. She, I, she's the reason why I met Ben from Ezra Bell because she was. She helped move me out here. She rented a cello. We played our very first show in Portland. Like the third day, I was here at Vicente's Pizza, and now it's Blackbird Pizza. And she's walking down the street with this cello on her back, and they see this hot girl with a cello on on her back, and they're like, "Hey, hot girl with the cello on her back, come play at her house." And that's the one, two, three, four house that Evan owns. And then we played a show there on the roof, and that's how I met Ben. And now he's playing the release party. But anyway, uh, last person of that song is the Geranium. That's my friend Sydney. She just moved to Philly. Shout out to Sydney. But it's about it's about all my gal pals. That's right. Yeah, yeah I like that song. That's a little very much song. like it is. It is very simple, but I think it it is uh, it's a powerful one. Stuart liked the vocal take on that one a lot. Yeah. Right on. Um, I don't even know if we did this on episode ten of the podcast, but it is tradition. The, it's uh, a program. That, that we, I think we did. Did we? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know it. I know it, it. Like it happened within the first. I don't know. Few episodes. But oh, I'd also like to plug our uh, show after Mississippi, yeah. which is November tenth. At turn 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 with three for silver and Jack Maybe Project. Nice. It's my birthday show. Birthday show. Birthday show. Cool. I will make sure I put all of that in the intro too, or I will try to remember. I'll definitely plug the the Mississippi Studio show up top, and I will make sure that there are links to your Instagram and anywhere else to find your music in the episode notes, so people can easily follow those things. Yeah, there's rumor of us doing a final song of the night with members of Ezra Bell and Maurice and the Stiff Sisters on September 1st. That'll be rad. Mm-hmm. I love when bands do that. I think that makes um, for a very cool closing to a show when, when uh, someone from each band is kind of represented and, and performing together. It's always a very cool vibe. Mm-hmm. And it's Mississippi fucking studios. Uh-huh. You're playing there. <laughs> You're doing it. Yes, indeed. You want to give us the, uh, the Dower Power It's a Program so I we can sure sail do. this thing out? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thanks so much, Dan. And thanks, Andrew, for joining. Do you have any last words? Daryl? No. Uh, thanks, Sushi and Felix, the two cats. And it's a program. It's a program. 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 Sorry. It's you a program. You can do it again. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> we'll let you. It's, it's not live. You know? It's a program. There it is. It's Keisha Dower, everybody from Kiki and the Dowry. <laughs> always a pleasure to hang. Thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with me about your tunes. It's always uh, it's fun to just dive inside of your process a little bit more, even though we get to talk about a lot of other things. And sometimes that's music, and sometimes it's uh, other shenanigans. But uh, it's it's nice to to gain further understanding of like where all this kind of comes from, and and just now your experience of playing with all these people and everything i think it's very fucking rad and we're gonna play it out with a song off the beside the beast record and uh here it is this is garden party everybody we will catch you on the flip side portland
It's a program.